1: Hey, how's it going? And welcome to Someone Who Isn't Me, episode number 35. My name's Daniel P. Carter and my guest on this episode is Ghost Mane. I caught up with him recently to talk about his new album Anti-Icon, but also the importance of discovering music at a young age as a means of defining your individuality, creative expression, hermetic thought and a load of stuff more. Eric is a really smart guy that is constantly working creatively with several different projects on the go aside from his main outlet, a Ghost Main. I know that it's been a minute since the last episode of Swim. Actually, it's been four months, I think, since that one with Tom DeLong, but that's fine. Um, this whole situation now is is so ludicrously mental on, on so many levels that, um, yeah, I feel it's cool to let things slide a little bit, or that's what I keep saying about you know, eating properly and exercise and getting in a healthy routine, uh, meditating, doing yoga. Yeah, so it's fine to let all those things slide. Um, I know I said before that I didn't really want to do these conversations with people unless I'm really stoked to talk to them. And that's not to say that to anyone that works in PR that says to me stuff like, uh, do you want to speak to I don't know, Gavin Rosdale. It's not that I don't want to speak to them about their album or their book or whatever, but um, the pod is, you know, this is purely a means for me to get to know people that I want to know better without appearing um, to be as creepy as that confession would or maybe should imply. So, yeah. So the other thing about these is that I said um, when I put out the Tom DeLonge episode is that I said it from the very beginning, actually, of when I started doing Someone Who Isn't Me, that I didn't really want to do these over the phone or skype or whatever but as 2020 has been a total kicking the balls because of covid um it feels like everybody is just working from home and doing zooms for all their meetings and whatnot so yeah it's fine now it doesn't matter it's always cool to find out that the person that i'm going to be speaking to can record their own audio at their end so that the quality doesn't dip too badly but that's not always the case as the one with Tom showed, and as some of the ones that I've done for Marshall have shown. But it doesn't matter because a, an interesting conversation with an excellent guest is is exactly that. And if the audio isn't quite perfect, I'm fine with that. And I hope that you are too. I know that I listen to a bunch of podcasts where that isn't, you know, you know, it's not the first thing on everybody's list. Um, but then I also listen to some podcasts where that is the first thing on everyone's list. Hello, Craig. So, you know, whatever, man, it is what it is. Um, I actually painted the portrait for this episode quite a while back um, in preparation for us actually speaking. So I didn't have to do that quite. uh, That wasn't as pressing as that is often the case with these because we were meant to do this conversation quite some time ago. But for some reason, we couldn't actually make it happen. I mean, if I had had to do the painting now, that would have been fine as well, because that's essentially what I've been doing just to not go mental is playing a lot of bass and painting and you know you've got to keep your head together somehow anyways i'm stoked on this episode i hope that you dig it too you should definitely check out the latest ghost main album anti-icon as it's the most i think it's the most complete example of what he does as an artist and then maybe go and check out some of his other projects like bard and meinhof if you like black metal or eric ghost for the more um ambient kind of cinematic stuff so this is ghost main enjoy let's start with the album um, and about how Anti-Icon came around because when I've sat and listened through to it it feels like you've moved in a certain direction that it, like you'd signposted that it was going there anyway but it seems like you've refined it so much now and it feels to me as well because I know about how eclectic your tastes are especially through um all the other projects that you do which we can speak about in a bit yeah it feels like a lot of that stuff has been drawn in it's it's so focused with what it is and it feels like it's obviously your most autobiographical album
2: yeah absolutely that's that's a really good uh, assessment i think because um it it's definitely the first time i i sort of set out for it to be a little more uh autobiographical in a sense that um most of the other projects it's always i am speaking about um you know myself and personal events and things like that but it's usually in a way uh that is a little more uh situational you know I'm usually just kind of um jumping around and talking about you know various different things that I may have felt or you know things that might have hurt me or you know things I overcame and stuff like that but um this one feels a little more chronologically linear i guess um, yeah you know in in a sense where from the beginning of the album it starts out uh pretty much at the point in my life where i felt like um the old me kind of died and the new me was born where i kind of had to become a man in a split second basically when my when my father died and um yeah it it kind of picks up from there basically and uh i've always wanted to be able to do that but um i think until now i didn't really have the tools to uh I guess properly be able to tell that story um, How without it. It's not that I. It's not that I couldn't tell the story before. It's that if I had tried to do it any sooner, um, I think it would have come off too, um, uh, you know, obvious or uh, there wouldn't be enough. Um, I guess of like an experience to it, you know, because I music that tells a story to me it doesn't always literally mean like oh these lyrics are reading like a novel or yeah something like that you know it it's more uh in my case you know when i do it it's it's a little bit more of an experience where it's like you know there's certain um verbiage and literal you know lyrical themes and then there's a lot of space for you to sort of fill in the blanks um and kind of just imagine what happened behind the scenes to tie, you know, this thing and then this next thing you're he- that you're hearing about together, uh, something like that as an example. Yeah. Um, and I think before I wasn't really, you know, keen on being able to, to do that because I, uh, I, you know, hadn't really found myself. I think sonically, um, it took a long time to to really find myself in that way to a point where like, okay, you know, I'm doing the production stuff. And my um, vocal delivery and all these things are now second nature. I don't have to go in and, you know, constantly put 100% of my mental effort into doing these things correctly. Yeah. So now I can focus on some of this other stuff while I'm, you know, some of the the, the things that I used to struggle with are now a little more on autopilot. But, um, but still building those things too, you know, but kind of like without trying to build them i guess if that makes sense like just kind of letting it flow i guess
1: yeah no i get what you're saying because i think to be comfortable enough to be that open and to get into the the topics that are discussed on the record you need to yeah you need everything else out of the way and i get that yeah because absolutely yeah because it's a very bare thing to do isn't it you know Mm -hmm. yeah and i i think it's funny when when i when i first started listening to it it kind of made me think of um because obviously I get that the story in it is yours, but it also yeah. it feels very in a kind of Joseph Campbell way. It feels like this whole idea of like a a story that that is a really archetypal one, you know. And there's there's a few albums mm-hmm. that have kind of covered it before. I think Antichrist Superstar and mm-hmm. Ziggy Stardust, and to a certain degree, To Pimp a Butterfly about about. Somebody realizing their own realizing themselves and actualizing their power almost, you know
2: what I mean? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, because it it takes time when you go through stuff uh, to be able to um, take a step back and look at it for what it is and, and look at it as what you know created you basically. You know, it's while you're going through it you're you're feeling it on a visceral level you're like wow like this this hurts or Mm. or wow this feels great you know or something but um it takes time for you to to really uh you know once you're no longer constantly psychologically affected by a, a specific event or anything anymore or as bad as you were whether it's good or bad um i think you're able to take a step back and look at it almost in the third person you know and be like oh this is what uh created this you know and or this is why i'm like this um yeah and n- not using it as an excuse uh to to you know go on living a certain way i think but uh you know using it to uh tell a story i guess in, in, yeah, in
1: and yeah and i way. think i think the, the beautiful thing about art and the ability to um actualize those things through through art is that um it helps you deal with them in another way as well because as you said you know you have to be able to deal with those things before you can even approach them in an appropriate yeah. manner in what you're doing but at the same time i think to then do that within your work is is only gonna help you in
2: that in that field
1: i well i assume i i'm, I, I'm yeah no you're
2: right it's it's therapeutic you know it's yeah uh uh, I feel like art in that way is very selfish, um, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I almost feel like that's, you know, whoever, uh, whoever invented art, I guess, um, I feel like did it with the purpose of, um, you know, self-medicating or, or therapy to themselves, I guess, because I, I bet, uh, you know, whoever did it wasn't doing it to uh, necessarily show it off or sell it for millions of dollars you know it was um it was to get something out that's inside yeah and uh yeah i think like it's yeah to communicate
1: ideas and and to pass on knowledge and i think that um since the very beginning since like cave paintings that's that's yeah that's what it absolutely that's the purpose of it and i think yeah i think this record does that really well the way it's put together and the, the way that because it does it it does flow chronologically like you said and or it seems to to me from an outside perspective and and you know when vagabond sort of tells of that realization of having to step into that role at such an early age yeah it sort of it opens up the path for where the album's going to take you
2: it's good that uh yeah i mean i like hearing that it's uh perceived that way from the outside too because uh that's uh you, you don't always get what you want as uh when you're creating something, you know, and you probably know that as a painter too. Like mm. there's probably tons of times where, you know, you, you create something and maybe you meant it a certain way, but it's perceived a totally different way. And, uh, yeah, in a way, that's kind of the, the beauty of it. But in, in, you know, other times it could, it could be a little bit like, damn, I guess, you know, then you take it on yourself. Like, Oh, I guess I missed the point or maybe, you know, something like that. Yeah, uh, does that disappoint you? It, it used to a lot more than it does now, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it used to be this thing where uh, if, you know, somebody took a lyric and tried to explain the meaning of it and it was totally different than what I intended, it would sometimes be like, oh, damn it, you know. But yeah, but now I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's actually really crazy because I never thought of it that way before, you know, and, and maybe, maybe I didn't realize it, but there was some kind of subconscious thing there that made it, you know it made me say it that way and uh it kind of helps you realize more about yourself i think that's that's another beautiful thing about art of all mediums i think is it you know through other people learning about you through it and then hearing their take on it you almost learn more about yourself in some ways i think you know it's if you're willing to look at yourself from that angle you know i i kind of like um Get off on sometimes trying to step out of my body and look at everything from a third person perspective almost to try and, like, I guess, understand things better um, when it comes to other people, I guess. Um, and this is getting more into, you know, relationships and friendships and mm. things like that. But, um, you know, in order to uh, to try and, because I'm so, I, you know, I have a very guilty conscience. I, I never want to, uh, you know, Uh, upset or hurt people and uh, anytime where I I feel like that might have happened it like just eats at me so to combat that I've you know I I guess I've learned to do that third person thing where it's like kind of trying to take myself out of me I guess if that makes sense and like look at what I'm saying or what I'm doing or whatever and uh, how would I perceive that if my you know my friend was doing it or some guy was doing it or something you know would it you know yeah but well, I think, so it's
1: kind I of think strange that, but no no I, no I totally get it and I think it's really interesting as well that, that that's now a part of almost a part of the process that that you take in consideration of, of how it's going to be interpreted whereas before I think you know there, there's something to be said for just uh, a more reckless abandon approach of, of things but I think it shows like a maturity and a level of artistry when you start to do those things and that I don't mean Absolutely. by that, yeah, I don't mean that in the sense that you're like self-censoring or no, um, no, no. But I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the thing the the thing of um with, with anyone that makes any kind of art, whether it's visual art or music or poetry or whatever it is, that that there is that almost self-doubt where you second-guess everything and you start to think about how is this going to be taken? And yeah, it's all well and good to to just go, well, I don't give a fuck, and it doesn't matter how it's going to be taken. But I think, yeah, I think it shows a level of everybody maturity.
2: cares to a degree. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think admitting that you care as an artist too is uh, it goes a long way for for you and for everybody else. You know, I mean, it's uh, there's sure there, there is lots of people who don't give a fuck, but that only goes so far. You know, because to some degree you give a fuck, and and it's okay to give a fuck, and you you do because it's a part of you that's out there. You know, um, I think like not giving a fuck about negative criticism, for example, is like, that's great. You know, I think that. Yeah, that's a superpower if you can do it. (laughs) Yeah, dude, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not fully there yet. Uh, I'm I'm more there than I was. But I think, um, you know, getting to that level is attainable and and healthy. But um, not giving a fuck how it's perceived in any way or um not giving a fuck if it um you know reaches people i think uh could be toxic because you know then it's almost like you're uh you're crippling it and you're stunting it before it even has a chance to grow you know i think it's okay to um to like you know listen to uh like the people that's that you know Support what I do. I mean, I I do listen to them, and and I, you know, uh, I meet in person as many people as I can too, and um and you know read as much as I can and stuff like that because you know not when it's not when people are um trying to like tell me what sonic direction I should go or anything like that, but when people are telling me what they're going through and you know maybe this particular song or this particular lyric, you know really made them feel like not so alone or um you know something like that or 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 especially when people tell me um you know they paint this picture for me sometimes of the situation in which they're listening to to the record or or whatever it is you know that i that i did uh you know like you know i i you know put this on and i just like lay in my bed and listen to it and I don't feel so alone or or you know if people are sending you know videos of me like uh, packed in the car with their friends on the way to a party like blasting like one of the heavier songs or something like like things like that um, create a real uh, picture in my head when I'm writing future records sometimes because while at the base of it it's you know in this case it was me it was it's more my autobiography and my emotions and things like that um it's it's very much still you know it's it's a collaborative effort in a way almost with with the fans and supporters and and stuff in in effect that it's like a symbiotic relationship where it's like okay like you know this is uh here is something to do what you like to do uh with basically you know it's like i uh there's certain songs obviously like i wrote you know, and in in my head, I pictured people blasting it on the way to a party, or just yeah. you know, uh, at a, playing it at a show, and people just going wild, and it's fun, you know, and it's okay to do that, um, and that's what I you know well, come I, to terms with.
1: Of course, because we've all been those people. That's why you know, and yeah, and, you know, I, I I remember when I was a kid, and I had those moments that where you're discovering yourself, and and everything just feels cripplingly overbearing and you get you you know you can become super nihilistic about things and i mean that's 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 growing up man but the thing is i remember i remember those moments where i would discover bands in like the the punk and the hardcore scene and the metal scene that where where i would hear those songs and and it would be like okay cool this band is from the other side of the planet but they've totally they get it because they've lived it as well and that's when that's when you suddenly realize that music is is more than something that's just around you all the time you know because everywhere we go music is playing it but there becomes a certain point in your life where you suddenly find the music that it that resonates with you and and it literally sings to you and that's when you realize that that music is more than just something that's around you it's it's something that is part of your very being and and i absolutely we've all been through that and and i think to then yeah and 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 a lot of those people that really feel that might never have the urge to make music themselves but i guarantee that most of the people that i will speak to on for the bbc show or for the podcast have been those those people
2: you know that's Um, the only way you get there you know i think as a creator yeah is, is going through that and yeah it's a it's exactly the same with me, you know, I think anybody, um, music in general, but I think specifically hardcore uh, and punk is, is, an obvious, and obviously, and metal, underground metal as well, is like it, it uh, when you find that, if you, you know, it just hits certain people in the right way and it just, uh it, it kind of, yeah, it just makes everything make a little more sense, you know. Yeah doesn't make everything better everything still sucks but the thing is like you know that other people are also realizing it sucks and and for me what it was it was like um at certain times when i was i was i I was 17 and uh, i wrote about it a little bit in falling down um where it was about when my mother drove away uh from florida because she was moving to new york with my brother at the time uh and it was It was a few months after my dad passed. So uh, he had passed and then she decided she wanted to go back to New York and be close to family, um, understandably, because, you know, we didn't really have anything in Florida. Um, I was already 17, though, and I had, you know, friends and and a life there uh, or so I thought, I guess. And and I wanted to stay. So Um, it was this kind of like ticking clock. When I found out she was moving, you know, it was like two months I had to, like, figure out where I was going to live, what I was going to do, um, how I was going to survive without, you know, my mom, basically. Because until yeah. then, obviously, I just lived with my parents. Um, So, and then once I, you know, I, and from there, I simultaneously, while I was going through that, is when I got into hardcore. And, and, you know, I heard certain bands. And, uh, you know, at the time, for instance, one of them was Ceremony. Uh, yeah the you know once i got into to their records it was like wow there's people that are saying exactly how i'm feeling and they're not dead or homeless uh you know they're like alive and they live to tell it which means that i can live to tell it too and you know it's not i'm not just this uh this guy going through this thing that it's gonna kill me you know it's like there's a light at the end of the tunnel i guess and yeah it was just yeah it's really special and
1: yeah um, that's such a heavy thing though isn't it i think that whole period of life under any circumstances is is tough man but um, yeah under those circumstances it's um yeah i would imagine overwhelming but um I i totally get get what you're saying that when you find like something like the hardcore community, when you when you go to shows and you find like the like-minded people and you listen to the right records, and you suddenly it feels like a lifeline. Um, and I think absolutely, I, I see that with you, and and the stuff that you do and the way people react to it, and I think that's a beautiful thing.
2: Thanks, man. Because cause it's like, and that's not to say too that like, hardcore is like a lot of other genres or uh communities or spaces where there's plenty of you know parts in that community where it's all about you know how you look or you know what you wear or how you dance or you know money believe it or not even though some you know bands like that like it's not about that and um a lot of that stuff i think you know bred and started coming out um you know in the last decade or so and it's uh it's it's frustrating to me because like that you know no I'm I'm not against um you know obviously people uh doing you know certain music for money or you know caring about what you wear obviously or anything like that like there's nothing wrong with that at all but I think when uh you're supposed to be from a certain community and you're supposed to do it for a certain reason or at least you're saying it you are doing it for a certain reason but then yeah. um what you're showing isn't that and it comes across and, and I think that's damaging to everybody else you know cuz uh it brings that that sort of uh you know feeling of you know if kids are listening to that particular artist or band or whatever and see that and then they get down on themselves like oh well I i don't have that you know and Mm. this person's saying that life's all about that and uh you know well fuck this sucks you know and it's just like now that person was kind of almost fooled into like getting into something that you know was supposed to help but it's hurting in a way and and i think the the point to me saying all this is like it's a you know i think um music bottom line like is not all sonic and it's not all about uh what people are doing um with instruments and it's not all about like you know putting guitars in your songs and stuff like it doesn't just because you're doing that doesn't mean that you're being uh groundbreaking or doing something great for music you know I think that like if you're gonna do that and you're gonna bring that energy then um you know it should it should have some behind it other than just uh you know look at me I'm I'm trying to be different or something yeah it should be real yeah absolutely um...
1: yeah i i totally agree and i think that that's something that that anyone that's come through an underground diy scene will feel but that's not to say you know like i'm older now so i don't begrudge anyone making a living and if they can do that making music great that's absolutely yeah that's fine that's That's true too yeah big time all good but yeah but that isn't that's rarely gonna be the music that you know that you've truly feel in your soul for me anyway but that's that's just me but um yeah I, no. it, it's funny like I just, me as well um, yeah I, I i thought about while you were saying about how um when when certain people are making music in a certain way and it's like i find it in hip-hop i i, I get that i don't know if that's what you were implying but you know it's all about oh, i've got this and i've got this and I and i'm doing that and and
2: not necessarily it's more so i i meant bringing um because that's kind of always been part of hip-hop and i think i understand it because you know that the the people who created that um it's you know a lot of times like they come from absolutely nothing so when they get it it's like you know they want to show the world but i think i get that bring that like yeah like you know when you're uh, you know raised and born and raised in suburbia and then you're trying to bring that attitude into like a you know hardcore punk or something that's when i think uh, yeah, it's yeah, like okay it doesn't make sense you know yeah that's more I, so what i mean yeah yeah okay cool
1: because yeah i was gonna say like in, i think within hip-hop i think that that mentality is the best example of like will to power and um positive thought you know it's, it's so, absolutely manifestation it's, yeah yeah fully it's so aspirational and it's like you know a lot of people bandy around the whole like we will, ha- will happily say like oh fake it till you make it but a lot of people don't even realize the the depth of saying that because i think yeah. if you're putting it out into the universe that this is i've got this and i've done this and i'm doing that and this is where i'm going next you know that i think that's that so true dude that's power i've never it. heard
2: someone spell it out like that but that's so accurate you know fake it till you make it in a way is is uh saying you know manifest destiny in a way it's like it's exactly what it is you know and that's why like yeah in in hip-hop and rap that's never bothered me that aspect of it because you know to me i always looked at it as like look you know it's here for the taking there's enough money for everybody to go around there's enough you know whatever it's are you willing to to step up and and work hard and and take it you know and and uh and that's how i always saw that and um, that's that's the stark contrast between um heavy music and, and hip hop and I think that uh you know each each one respectively has its, you know, uh ideals for a reason and, and I think that uh yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with, with, with either of them.
1: I no, I agree, and I think they're so close to each other on certain aspects in mindset about, you know, people making music with their friends at home and the potential for it can be world-changing either for them or actually on a wider scale and i think that that's a beautiful thing and that's the connection with it and i think that was why in the early days of hip-hop it seemed like it was it seemed quite intertwined with punk rock i don't know whether that's just my take on it from you know the whole thing in new york and um and Rubin's involvement and bringing artists through mm. in and kind of smashing these artists together and everyone finding out, Oh yeah, no, we, we're all from the same place and we're all, we're all wanting the same things. We're just doing mm. it in different ways and ver- you know verbalizing it in different I ways. I
2: think you're right. I mean, that's sort of ground zero for that. I think, you know, is, uh, and I think that that's how a lot of, you know, music lovers of both genres do look at it as, uh, you know, the run DMC Aerosmith era and, and, that collaboration is, is in a way ground zero uh even though it obviously may have been going on um in california or other places at the time definitely not you know disputing that but yeah. um yeah i guess so. with you know but 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 i think it's it's still yeah i mean that's that was like a really important time um for that stuff i think and i watched a documentary on that recently actually i can't remember oh no it was the, it was the new BC boys thing actually i saw um, uh, I've not and they seen, talked I've a lot about that, that. yeah, dude. It's sick. They talk a lot about that actually in it. Um, and it's like it's amazing because they they talk about how they wanted to be Run DMC, you know, like that was their yeah. idols basically. But they obviously you know come from hardcore and shit. So yeah, it's like it's it's so cool, man. Because it's like it was very like obviously it it resonated a lot with me. Um, and it, uh, you know, I felt like. I related in a a lot of subtle ways, um, but it was almost like coming at it from the opposite perspective, you know, uh, whereas like I idolized more, you know, bands and stuff like that. And I, I do come like obviously from, from that scene too, but, um, but rap I think was more hands-on what I felt more comfortable. uh, I think like writing, at the time when I was starting to like really make music on my own, I guess, because, um, and that's for a lot of reasons, you know, it was, it was just the the right time, I think, too, because you know technology was progressing in a way that yeah. made it so people could, you know, sit at home and uh, you know you could just learn shit and do it on your own. But but I think I, it technology wasn't there yet for me, at least in an affordable way, to where I could make heavy music that sounded good to me like every every time i tried to do like a one-man band thing um in my early early years i guess it it just like i couldn't get it how i wanted it because i uh you know i just i also wasn't wasn't good enough you know i like i played guitar decently and shit like that but i you know i couldn't find a good like drum emulator or something so what
1: what what were the artists that that were kind of that you were looking at at that period where you were like i I kind of want to do something like this but i'm not ready to do that yet maybe what were those artists that were influencing you
2: um i guess honestly well when i say you know i wanted to do this but i wasn't ready it was more so there was really nobody doing that at the time like i want in my head i heard anti icon basically but i couldn't make it if that makes sense yeah, I, i didn't know how to to do that um, because I thought like or you know at the time like I, I needed somebody who was good at drums or I needed you yeah. know somebody to record my guitar and make it sound good I didn 't know how to do that stuff you know and and I I uh, simultaneously I got into Raider clan um, and and that stuff and and started rediscovering a lot of like the old three three six mafia stuff and yeah um, and the Memphis sound and and that sort of filled my void of, um, frustration, you know, because I was like, damn it, dude, I really want to fucking like create something, you know, and I want to like get this energy across and, and, but I, I just, I don't have all these things and I don't have all this like ability and stuff like that. And then, you know, space goes perp I hear him. And it's just like, what the fuck, dude, I don't need any of that stuff. Like, you know, I can create the most fucking evil sounding shit and, and you know the craziest stuff and uh you know i i don't need that at all i just need to you know look at music the way i look at it now like like a fucking weirdo basically yeah, just that, like that's, just that, let loose
1: that's so that's so awesome man because i think that whole period when so many artists started coming through that were making hip hop or you know uh, it was from hip hop it was dudes that had been raised on so much different stuff like you're saying about like punk rock and hardcore and and metal bands and and you could feel that in there and it's um yeah i think i i I feel it was super exciting and and it still is but it's it's kind of funny that that a lot of times it feels like you know that whole kind of old head mentality where it's like well no this that's you know there's almost like this purist idea sometimes where it's like well that's not that's not hip-hop and it's like it is (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know yeah it's it's everyone kind of... gets that man hip-hop and heavy music it's of like of course there's, like, yeah it's just everybody
1: yeah man when new metal first came out everyone was like whoa 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 this isn't this isn't metal this oh is...
2: dude i bet man
1: yeah and it was um and yet the
2: and it's the most groundbreaking shit you know yeah,
3: it's like the, and the reverb reverberations... without new metal yeah
2: t- dude i i yeah i mean anti-icon like you know is like, there, there is no, A, like, my album without that, obviously. And it's, like, it's the most expressive, you know, be-yourself genre in the history of heavy music, I think. And um, that's not to say that, I mean, there's tons of terrible shit that came from it, but, like, it's still... <laughs> Yeah, it's but it's not damaging. Terrible, even even the bad shit. It's just like holy shit. Remember that, you know? Like it's like yeah, you know. I I, I love it. I love all of it. And and it's funny because me and my friends in my band Nemesis that I had uh, back in Florida, like we, I feel like we were like some of the only kids in the scene that that liked new metal openly you know because yeah. <laughs> it was this thing like it was cool to shit on it in hardcore and then like
1: yeah man i, uh, I know exactly what you're saying because i was i was in a, i played in a straight edge metal band and um uh-huh and and it was it was the same vibe and we were all like no no no, no this is this is amazing you know as soon as you like, dude I, yeah as soon as i heard the first corn record i was like whoa this is this is like as heavy as helmet and it's got like so much groove to it and it's like the honesty and the um how how he laid everything so bare it was amazing yeah like, super ground oh
2: see that actually that must have been even crazier because you're talking about like you you were in the scene when new metal hit and yeah you got to see that the reaction like that must have been fucking crazy like i was de- i was seeing it like you know 20 years later yeah in hardcore yeah. there and, was
1: yeah there was yeah. so much snobbery at the time i remember like my wow. my band supported Corn on their first ever UK show, and uh, wow, dude! And it was it was wild because it was yeah, literally people from all forms of heavy music and beyond were just like, "This is our new stuff. This is it." And it yeah, it blew, dude, it, it blew people's minds. It was amazing. But um, anyway, but yeah, I think I bet, man, yeah, I can really feel that in the record, and and it feels like it's part of that lineage. You know, there's moments where. Yeah, where I hear nine inch nails and I hear Corn and I hear Manson and it's
2: um, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and I think it's too, the th- the cool thing about new metal too is is I like, it's and surprisingly, dude, like I I never thought that I would hear that term get thrown around in like you know music blogs now and shit like Pitchfork and stuff like people yeah. talking about like new metal and so I'm like holy like people are actually saying that like acknowledging that stuff sounds like that now like that's so wild because that was never a thing like it wasn't it's kind of like how like goth and emo you know sort of like aesthetically came back like in the last decade and and i was like dude like i remember when like i got shit on for like
3: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello, Fresh! Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: People thinking I was that in school or whatever, and like same way new metal is like but the funny thing about it is now that i feel like there's certain artists where it's like they like uh and there's nothing wrong with it obviously it just kind of you know makes me chuckle when people kind of like um self-identify as as that because it's just like new metal was never meant to be that way like i don't think any new metal band has ever been like yeah we're a new metal band from yeah uh, exactly because like you know it's like
1: yeah i mean it was it was kind of a redundant term in the sense that it was purely put together i guess as a kind of catch-all for a bunch of bands i mean look how disparate that whole scene was like obviously like starts starts with corn and then slipknot feels like a natural progression from that but then as soon as you then put like deftones and limp biscuit and system of a down and linkin park and all these other bands that you know it kind of makes sense but i mean they're all it's an
2: outcast genre and it's an outcast term it's not something that people set out like you know there's you know when when you want to start like an old school death metal project that's what you set out to do you know you have <laughs> a list of influences and it's what you want to do like new metal is like okay i don't maybe i'm not good enough to play death metal i love hardcore but i want it to sound a little bouncier detuned i don't know whatever you know and you just like start playing and that's what comes out you know it's not like and that's i think that's just kind of and that's why I don't have a problem openly saying like that the new record has like that new metal influence. I think it's because like I, of course it does, you know. And, and I didn't I didn't intend for that. It's just like, but it's that's kind of what, what happens yeah, when you, you're rapping you, over yeah, hardcore. <laughs>
1: yeah, and if you grow like up loving so, a lot of those artists, then then of course that's gonna filter in. And I think um I feel yeah. like the the snobbery that that kind of existed at that time was just it just was it showed how closed minded that the heavy music scene could be. And yet And um, they all came
2: around anyway. Like he, most people like Yeah of they, they, they came around. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then so many of those records are classic records now, you know? But a exactly. lot of them probably wouldn't want to say that they were new metal still, but it, whatever, man, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I can I can feel it in there and that's that's like I said, that's a beautiful
2: It's thing. true. And that's why I mean it's similar, I think, you know Well you say about it in I guess AI it, essentially.
1: Like you know, at one point you say the critics don't get it. And it's it's about the kids. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, that's that's exactly what it is. And that's why you just kind of made me think about it in a way. Because, like, you're right. I think a lot of those bands still don't want to really, they wouldn't consider it new metal or openly say that. And that's how I feel about when people say, like, trap metal now and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I think that that, like, I, that term makes my fucking blood boil. But, like, I I get why people say it, obviously. I'm not, like, you know, I'm not going to come out there and say, like, you know, it's stop saying that because I don't know I don't have a replacement term you know I, there's nothing that I could really say I guess to fill that void so I understand why it came to that but uh, I feel like it's similar in a way where it's like maybe some I mean I'm sure there's lots of artists that are proud to say trap metal but like you know mean i'm sure there's others where it's just like jesus christ like don't say that.
1: (laughs) yeah i i I think it's just you know people love to be able to put things in a little box and and put a tag on it you know even if it absolutely and if it doesn't fit then it doesn't matter because at least in their heads that's how they've reasoned what it is and that is cool as well in the sense that you know if um if somebody goes oh i've got to play this new band that we've discovered they think they're amazing i'll be like cool what's it like and they'll go, it's this meets this, or it's this kind of stuff, and I'll go, cool, all right, great.
2: And yeah, then you, and then I mean you that's listen. how you, yeah. Yeah,
1: and then you listen to it and you find all the nuances to it and how it's actually its own thing, and then, yeah, and then you fall in love with it. Okay. That's how you
2: make sense of the world, you know, and that's 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 fine with me. I think the only the only reason why, uh, it it would sometimes bug me hearing the term is because I guess um, me sometimes having a pessimistic outlook, I imagine somebody you know telling somebody like the scenario you just did you know telling someone about you know the new album being like, like oh you should check this out and someone be like oh what's it like and like oh it's trap metal and then like <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's somebody from the metal scene who like you know just doesn't want to hear that at yeah. all because they've probably heard that and it's like a guy screaming over 808s or something and it's like well i'm into that as well really but yeah <laughs> I mean, no, not that's not <laughs> to say that that shit's bad, but it's like it's definitely not what the yeah, album is. You of know? course, uh, it's, it's so, I, yeah, there's
1: so much depth
2: to it, man. As soon as you get like, yeah.
1: I think when you get to like, as soon as you hit the uh, winds of change, and the, and the, yeah, the, the, the way analog, that, yeah, yeah, and then that it almost seems like a like a demarcation point for the album, and it like my favorite parts of the yeah towards the. I don't know. The the last I three love tracks, that. yeah, really resonate with me and I think Calamity's probably my favorite track on it at the moment.
2: Damn dude, that's sick, man. That's actually the first song written on the record. Oh, um, no way. Well, I wrote that uh a co- like right after noise dropped actually in twenty eighteen. Um it was I, I was uh in New York visiting my mom, um, when she still lived there. I was visiting her for Christmas and um I went to this synthesizer shop in Brooklyn uh i forgot what it's called but like everybody who likes you know analog or modular synths has, has been to this, this store it's so sick but uh i found my Ocoast from uh make noise it's a little uh analog synth and it's super sick yeah. and um I, w- I was playing around with it that day and i i came up with that the you know the main synth line in it um Right. and calamity and i uh, i just like laid it down right away and i put that that drum beat on it and then it sat on my computer for two years and i didn't touch it and then i <laughs> i made the song like like way later but uh yeah it's kind of funny that yeah man i think that that's,
1: that's you like that one it's funny that those things kind of almost wait around to find their place
2: totally yeah because uh it's yeah it's it's weird man cuz I mean I I pretty much immediately start making the next record when a record drops um but <laughs> but I don't I don't like like I'll make a ton of instrumentals right when I drop a record it's like this weird thing I have to do and yeah. then I I throw them in a folder and I don't look at them for a year and then I uh I come Why back to Why do you think it. it is that you do that? <laughs> Dude it's I don't know it's like
1: do you think it's almost like uh, not not a safety blanket, but it's like because once you it put, is. once you put a record out, that's it. It, it it's your record, Dude, yeah. but but it's not really at that point because as as exactly. we were saying, you know, at the start of this, as soon as somebody else hears a lyric that they then go, "Would well, that's about this part of my life," and then they put they it's, put yeah, that it's on yours there. now. It's, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost it's like, that
2: uh, and sorry, it's go on. it's definitely sorry sorry i just got excited because he asked about it and i, <laughs> no, go and I started on, no, figuring man. out like what it is it's it's definitely that but it's also it comes from uh when i when i first started dropping like my my record like my my actual albums my like self-produced ones yeah uh starting with Uga booga and going on from there it was it was this constant compulsion to um release a new one now because I would get scared that like I couldn't do it anymore I guess like that's why like if you look at the you know the the year that I made all those records like uh the first you know seven or eight records it's like oh there was like you know uh, one in you know two in 2015 like three in 2016 you know one in 20 it was like this constant like holy shit I gotta keep making stuff like otherwise I'm gonna like I'm going to just one day I'm going to wake up and forget how to make music or something. Like (laughs) that was like a real fear that I had. Like I was like, dude, Dude, like I got to keep doing this. It's yeah, it's insane. So then I, I took the total opposite approach with, with AI where I was like, I dropped noise and I was like, so proud of it. And I was Hmm. like, dude, I, you know, I really want to like let this breathe for a bit. And, um, and then a year went by and I was like, you know, I'm still not ready to, to drop something. And, uh, you know i'll start but i'm just i'm still not ready and um and then you know more time went on i was like you know what i'm just gonna like condition i'm gonna try to like bring people you know who really support what i do like fans and everything into my world of like you know really waiting and appreciating something when it's out you know yeah. like like kind of like i I, obviously i drop eps and stuff in between but like i want to like really take my time on this next thing and like put a lot into it and just like make it you know everything uh that i've wanted to do i guess and yeah um, man
1: i I get that because i think the world we live in currently is so uh it's running at such a pace that it sometimes i think uh and i'm guilty of it so I can only imagine what it's like for somebody that's grown up in it now where it's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? You know? Exactly. And, and, it's, and, and we're being conditioned to be that way. You know, that's...
3: Exactly. That, there, there's yeah. no,
1: you know, that's not an accident. And that's yeah. no fault of the people. That's like, that is... The instant con-
2: gratification, man.
1: Yeah, man. That's the conditioning that's- that, that we're being fed through algorithms where it's like, okay, you like that? You like this? you like that okay you like that why don't you try this you'll like this as well and it's and it's like wait a minute i I kind of want to enjoy this for a second
3: yeah
2: man i know because like that's like when you come from our you know my generation and and definitely your generation i'm sure where it's like we fortunately got to see a world that like i guess by generations older than us standards was still like that but like to us like we got to see it before that you know and and like I got my first cell phone when I was 18 and, you know, I was way like late because my, my dad, you know, wouldn't let me have one, but, uh, still like I, you know, experienced all that life before Mm -hmm. that. And, and I I remember remember it, you know, and, but, but yeah, it's definitely a thing like where it was, I was worried about that too. Like, you know, attention spans and and stuff like that. And that's why I, uh, to this day, you know, I make my, some of my, most of my favorite songs, like if I, if I start writing something and I'm like, wow, I really like this. This is, this is like something special. I almost make a point to like make it super short, you know, like I just get in and get out and I, you know, say what I got to say and then I'm, and then it's done. Like they're usually like two minutes or two minutes, 15 seconds and then yeah. done, you know, cause, cause I, uh, and that's always the, the one like input that anybody has who, like, you know, is, maybe a friend of mine from like the more pop world or whatever. It's always like, you gotta, you should have that thing repeat more or <laughs> something like that hook or, you know, and I'm yeah. just like, I couldn't even imagine that, you know, it's just not <laughs> like, I don't want people to sit there, you know, waiting for it. So I don't know. I just imagine maybe it's cause I have like ADD and I just want shit to like change up and yeah, you know, or replay a song if you like it, you know, you know, don't, don't make the song four minutes, make it two minutes. So they'll play it twice, I guess. <laughs> but yeah that's funny it's
1: um i'm curious as well because there's a bunch of things i all want to i want to speak about now that 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 made me think about about four different things at once so i'm going to (laughs) try and lay it out in in some kind of order right firstly um when you said about previously you would finish an album and instantly start work on another i find it really interesting was that as under which project because you've got you know you've got so many different projects going on i mean mostly obviously it's ghost main but then you've got the eric ghost stuff where it's a lot more sort of um textural and cinematic and then you've got the Bader meinhof which is the i mean to me it it sounds like it's very influenced by first wave kind of norwegian black metal um until now
2: yeah absolutely yeah yeah
1: and then and then gasm as well which is way more um I remember you, when you first were telling me about it, you were like, yeah, it's like Merzbo. And I was like, holy shit. Because yes. I'll be honest, man. I didn't, you know, Merzbo not the first thing somebody is going to expect you to be listening to, I don't <laughs> think. Do you know what I mean? I bet, yeah. And absolutely. so, yeah. So it's like, you know, to to have that kind of,
2: you know, Merzbo and Coil. And,
1: but it makes sense, I think, because, like, there's certain...
2: That was my as, gateway into noise, really, was... was what, mean like. Yeah, and well it was before it was Pulse Demon, but but before Pulse Demon, like honestly, it was um full of hell because yeah. I, uh, I I saw them play with Entombed in Brooklyn. My my cousin Ron took me to see the show and uh, they I, I I had their record, the the I think it was the newest one at the time, the Roots of Birth one, and I just love like the noise in it, you know. And yeah. but I at the time I couldn't really wrap my head around how they did that i guess because i didn't have really many synths at the time or anything and then i saw them play and uh dylan like had you know this sick ass mixer set up on stage with all these stuff and i was just like holy fuck like from there i like i think i bought like a chaos pad after that or something and then like started <laughs> yeah. getting into a bunch of shit and and then yeah mers like i think it was arthur you know was like dude you got to start here for sure and yeah uh, and, Why- like yeah that's yeah it. it i but, mean uh,
1: it is funny but it does also kind of make sense because i think you know that there's um there's elements on this record where where it really made me think of nine inch nails but then at the same time i know that trent has grown up being obsessed with coil and those artists like nurse with wound and and you know all those noise artists and it's yeah it feels like there's those moments where it feels like it's more part of that legacy so it makes more sense i think
2: absolutely yeah Yeah. and to answer your question actually to go back to it now sorry because uh the that compulsion to kind of yeah start the next record i think it started with the uh the aspiring occultist stuff like after that album i was like whoa i created like you know an album more than nine songs and now i like it it felt so good to make a body of work and and uh you know I had some collaborators on it and stuff and now I want to make another one and then the one after that was rituals and that's where Batter-Meinhof, uh was introduced because uh, the first Battermeinhof song was actually a secret song uh, on rituals. It was uh, right after the, the the closing track there was yeah. like that you know silence for like 20 minutes and then uh, and then a, a just like just super crusty lo fi song came on and it was that and uh and then from there I like built built the project up. Um that's also awesome that
1: that's the seed that is you know it grows pretty much another thing. That's a that's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, yeah and I started like making it a thing to like okay drop full length Ghost Main record and then do a new batter mine off like you know kind of every time. Just sort of like in between I guess. Um but uh but yeah that's I guess where it started.
1: Yeah. Okay. So going back to one of the other things I was thinking of whilst Whilst you were saying about that
2: You know almost
1: like constantly moving It made me think about Because um, I wanted to speak to you about Cabalian and, and the tattoo oh, Again cool. that's another thing that it was like You know there's, there's been a bunch of things Where before we ever met And before we ever spoke I guess even kind of before I really knew your music And I would like heard bits and pieces And not really sat down with it There'd be these moments where I'd be like Oh really? Okay now I need to know more you know, and um, yeah, and and I love that feeling. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Because that's when you, you then you start digging, and you're like, okay, I get it. This mm-hmm. is everything is. So that was one of them, which, and uh, like, refer- talking about like John D and stuff like that. And as soon as you, yeah, because straight away I'm like, yeah, I'm in, cool, sold. It was, <laughs>
2: yeah. It's that. See, that stuff is like, uh, it, it's funny because I mean that. I think that was when I really started, my my work ethic started to pick up a lot um, when I started kind of delving a little more into uh, like Thelema and uh, yeah, occultism in general and you know, mm. Aleister Crowley, John D Edward Kelly and stuff because it was like, besides my, you know everyday sort of like battles with depression and, and you know, emotions and stuff like that. It was like this, uh, I kind of sometimes would struggle to figure out what I wanted to say um in in my music and like what i wanted to you know tell a story about or talk about or anything and like i wasn't the type to want to fabricate stuff or anything like that um so it was just kind of like you know i needed to to find a world i guess to to delve into yeah. that i um you know and and that was like one of those voids for me uh and it was also a void <laughs> pardon that to yeah. me <laughs> yeah 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 pardon pun yeah and it's it also helped me um uh simultaneously, you know, not be so nihilistic, you know, because before that I was very obviously I didn't and still don't, you know, align with any uh organized religion or anything and, and I kind of didn't really have a belief system in general and yeah. I was uh very I felt, you know, and I think so, I think everybody needs something. Um and that's why even though I don't subscribe to Christianity or, or like any organized stuff like that, I think that for some people it does a lot of good, you know, it you just, you know, you have to be a certain type of person and I'm definitely not that type of person and most of people I associate with aren't, but it's it's still, the bottom line is faith. You know, you got to have like, you know, some kind of belief system, I think, to, to keep you from, I guess, completely just going off the deep end and like, yeah. you know, yeah, realizing c- like that you are just a, in a video game, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: exactly. Because as soon as you start yeah. to think about how, how small, we are then it's it's an interesting thing because i think as we were saying earlier about that whole period growing up where nihilism really can take hold and and it actually feels really good for for a brief period when that does i think it feels quite almost quite empowering but um absolutely but then the more you kind of look into other things and realize that actually that feeling of of like being super small in in a universe that's barely understood right is um yeah is actually super liberating as well it's really quite it can be quite beautiful i think
2: yeah i yeah. agree totally that's why astrophysics is sort of like another thing that i was getting into around the same time kind of to balance it out you know it was like the spirituality mysticism and then the science because the two have, in my mind always coexisted even though of course. Uh, in the real world, a lot of times they battle. I think that it's, um, well, that's, you can't have one, without not the other.
1: Yeah, that's the crazy think, thing yeah. though, man. Because like when you start to think about it, those two things were two branches of the same tree, you know? It was astronomy and astrology. Exactly. It was um, yeah. It was physics and it was alchemy, you know? And yeah. it, it was like, they are branches of the same tree and they grew apart. But now I think it's super exciting that now it feels like those two things have grown So close together because as soon as you start to get into quantum physics and entanglement, it's like, well, how how can this? Yeah, (laughs) it's like how can you explain that? And then that's when all the people that have studied magic and who ascribe to new thought or as you were saying like positive thinking and and uh it's like well yeah well this is kind of what we thought all along but now it's kind of cool because whereas people will thought we were mental now science is starting to kind of it's it's yeah begrudgingly say oh yeah that yeah that there's a bunch of stuff we can't explain but then you know we are essentially going through life with reality is is only experienced by what our senses will allow us to experience and that's that's not everything how can it be you know we well that's why and
2: also like if you if you base everything that we're supposed to consider truth Mm. around only things that you can prove with a a man-made scientific method then you end up becoming as dogmatic as like a church or the things that that you that, you know, as a scientist would scoff at. You know, it's yeah. uh, I, I think it's like, you know, it's easy to like discredit anything that you can't prove with the method. But um, but if you're doing that, then you're also ignoring your your feelings, you know, your your human spirituality i guess which we all have and there's no need to like suppress that i think and yeah and i do see the two coming back around and connecting yeah. at some point and i think it's just yeah it's going to take more generations of people who are open-minded to both you know and uh and like you know more scientists that uh are spiritual people and you know more spiritual people that um you know don't only have to you know subscribe to the uh Science is bullshit thing, or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. You know, because it's uh, which you know comes from modern scientists. You know, um, you know, being the way that they are, I think like you know uh, seen as a little more pretentious sometimes and stuff like that. But I think if like more people open up a dialogue, like from both sides, and yeah, it's it's you know it'll it'll go that way. It's Yeah, it's super for interesting. sure. And
1: I think I think you know we wouldn't have half the technology we have if it wasn't for the fact that there was a little bit of that involved and even if people would go well no i mean a lot of people that work in tech you know we already know that a loads of those people came through the whole psychedelic era and the back end of it and they do Absolutely, ascribe yeah. to it to a certain um uh various different um opinions of consciousness and how it works and what it might be and therefore and they've made these huge leaps in science that affect our daily life but people still probably don't want to think
2: about those things too much but um yeah it's true but and and they and sometimes you might you, you know some of them might just lose sight of the spirituality because they're too preoccupied with you know the i guess it's a celestine prophecy have you read that book before yeah it's super sick mm-hmm. um and I, I just love how it uh talks about it's like toward the beginning or the middle uh beginning middle i guess where it's like about how people um I guess when science started to really prevail is when you know I guess we we sent people out to the world explorers to go figure out why we're here and they took too long so we started creating stuff to make our lives more comfortable I guess and then technology evolved exponentially and and then now it's like we're comfortable we're so comfortable that we are starting to ask ourselves hey wait where do those people go that we're supposed to figure out why we're here like yes Let's you know. Let's let's get back to figuring that out, and uh, and I think if that really is like a shift, like like that book said, um, then yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a pretty exciting. Yeah, um, it's funny. Next century. You, so
1: have you read? A, there's a really good book by a guy called Doctor Dean Radin. It's R A D I N, and it's called uh, Real Magic, and it's a, it's check it out. it's about um, basically all the times where science has proved that weird shit is happening it's kind of really? cool yeah it's cool i just looked it up yeah it's it's, it's, oh, it's cool it's a good read but um let, let's get back to um the cabalium because i think that like it that's something i started thinking about when you were saying that you were you're always in motion and it's i mean that that kind of is one of the principles in the book isn't it like the principle of vibration where everything is always in motion and there are higher Absolutely. states of vibration and that started making me think about the idea that sound is essentially that and how all things can relate back to to art and and creation it's
2: sort of the uh the yeah the always in motion thing also um in terms of uh like how i was saying it with um my you know work ethic and stuff like that i think also pertains largely to the the pendulum swing um it, that's the Kabbalian talks about as well where it's like the and also in polarity um yeah where it's like two extremes of the same thing and uh the pendulum is also where it's like you know things are the easiest way to think or think i guess in life to attribute it to is like you know sometimes things are bad and then it swings and sometimes things are good and um, uh you know like the the great enlightened masters i guess they say uh learn how to you know skip swings i guess and like you know stay on the good side and wait for the pendulum to come back again yeah Uh, they explain it way better in the book but it's definitely a good read but yeah it's it's something that's every principle in the book is something that i've experienced at one point or another and um and that's why it, it just it hit me so hard and it it was one of those defining moments where i was like okay i'm i'm definitely no longer a nihilist you know and i i i uh you know I subscribe to the universe I guess as, as my god basically and um, Yeah and I and think, I, I, I think yeah.
1: anyone That um that makes Any kind of art music especially Because I, I, as I'm Well I don't want to put words in your mouth But I, I think you might agree that often When you're working on something You have those moments where you, you, you Literally are drifting off Or you can be super focused on something And make something and then you kind of sit back And go ah oh, cool where's that from yeah you know that's yeah dude that's kind of trippy to to be in that um to be in that flow state where where creativity just kind of takes hold of the hold and it, and it um time becomes immaterial and and your focus and, and work ethic just becomes so driven and then it's almost like oh it, this thing was almost given to me and it was it's almost it's funny
2: like, you say that because that's that's exactly how john d felt um that was the first song I think that truly felt that way. Yeah. Um, because it you know it's <laughs> well, yeah, related to him. And yeah, it was it that's the first time that it really felt like something I guess took over. Um in a way where it was it was like, wow, like, you know I not not necessarily like I didn't I didn't write that, you know, some force wrote it, but it like partially felt that way where it was like, you know, uh I relinquished a little bit of control. Yes. I guess and so Let something take hold
1: so do you, you know um do you know who alan moore is no i'm he's, not familiar okay so he he's a comic book writer but loads of his comics have been made into films which he hates but uh like so he wrote what <laughs> he wrote watchmen he wrote v for vendetta um, oh cool okay so loads of stuff like that i did um a pod with him but it was actually i had to cut it into two bits because he just was like four hours of just blowing my mind But he he came up with this uh, analogy for creativity and creative people, which I've constantly used ever since whenever I talk to people, because as soon as we get to sort of this part of a conversation where where everyone in any band pretty much has gone, yeah, there are those moments where it is, as you said, it's almost relinquishing control somewhat. He I still find that the best way of describing it is something that he said to me, which and I'll try and. You know i'll paraphrase because i won't get it right exactly but he said that um <laughs> creative people are essentially windows and the the best thing that we can do is to remain clean so that light can shine through and he said never wow. a- never actually get to the point where you're confused in the sense that you like look down at the light that's kind of shining through and, and making this beautiful pattern on the floor and go look at me aren't I clever look what I made it's almost like no it's you you're a vessel yeah yeah like a con you're yeah. a conduit to to, to other Conduid, things yeah yeah but I, yeah. I mean you know or other people could just go that that's like a load of bo- bollocks but um but I describe, No, that's that's a really sick way me. of looking at it yeah I yeah sp- personally anyway
2: um because it's just you just listening to that voice and like you know letting it speak through you basically you know yeah it's, yeah it's
1: uh i mean you can you can it's, get as much into that as you want but yeah you could just say it is your subconscious oh, totally. or, yeah. yeah you could say it's your subconscious or it's just like your creative muse or or whatever whatever it is but it's um, like you're a
2: medium for that for that energy basically to come through in yeah a way. yeah yeah just like you said yeah the conduit i love that
1: and i, th- I think that's prob- sick i think that's why music can really resonate with people because it's almost like I mean, we're all connected to that, I guess, without getting too hippie into it. But, <laughs> 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 nah, dude, I'm right there with you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's yeah. a yeah,
2: but yeah, there's a little hippie in all of us, dude. Yeah, exactly. Up,
1: as much as as much as like years in the punk scene has tried to like grind it out of us. We can't. you can't. Yep. Have,
2: <laughs> can't get away yeah. from it. Because yeah. you get older and you find that again, you know, and and it's you can't help it. I think, and yeah it's just it's just there
1: yeah what are, what are your favorite moments on the record because like i said calamity i think at the moment is my favorite tune um yeah but then i think um oh there's so many great moments man there's like Dude, i appreciate I, I, that I think, especially the end the
2: fact that you like the end is, is yeah is great yeah because that's that's where i really cut loose you know
1: yeah, it's
2: it's awesome.
1: But I mean, you know, as it is about, you know, polarity and things being in balance and those things work especially well because of everything that comes before and those things that come before, like, you know, would would Lazaretto be as powerful if it wasn't for falling down, you know, and vice versa? You know, that's the mark of a great body of work. And that's though, the way it? to
2: look at it too, I think, is that's, that's like the way that I feel like it should you know be interpreted as just like as a starting point is is that um and it's funny because lazaretto is is probably my favorite personal track um uh for i mean it's you know obviously to me it's the most all-encompassing song that i think i've ever put out yeah Um, dude
1: it covers so much ground in such a short space of time it's it's wild and it doesn't it doesn't it feels cohesive you know and that's the trick i think to do it so well but yeah
2: it's 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 literally like the song that once i laid it down the demo of it i was like okay i could i could finish this record you know i have the power and the steam to do it now because i finally created this thing that i've been hearing in my head for so long you know and it was lazaretto like five years you know it's like that's like what i wanted to do and uh and it just yeah it felt so you know liberating i guess um yeah it's like yeah i broke free from the shackles i guess of like you know these limitations that you put on yourself and yeah and i think
1: i think those those moments on a lot of records a lot of artists will always say that there'll be those songs that are almost like the cornerstone whereas as soon as as soon as you get it and it might not be the first song, it might be the last song, but it puts everything in its place and, and shows you where you're either going to build or how you're going to arrange things and how they play off each other. That's a that's interesting. Totally, that's dude. Yeah. It's,
2: it's true, man. Because uh, cause, Lazaretto, uh, when I laid that down, that made me go and re-look at Vagabond, basically, um, and create the second half of Vagabond because that didn't exist before. I made lazaretto uh it was pretty much like vagabond was like you know this minute and 10 second song and i was just like i don't know where the hell this is gonna go you know yeah and uh and then i went and created that part um and i was like okay now this whole thing is starting to make sense and uh it just yeah it felt it felt great and and but i think like i guess spiritually and emotionally like another favorite is uh winds of change because um the way it was recorded i think you know like it was it would have just uh if it wasn't for ross robinson i think it would have ended up being like you know cool but like just you know like another one of those sort of interludes like this that breaks up the energy you know which serves yeah. a purpose but not super special whereas um the recording process of it uh i did most of it in sarah gordo up in the ghost town with yeah. uh ross and and arthur rizik and um i i had it written already but uh like the guitar parts and everything but um i i retracted it with him there and uh i was playing this um uh i think it was his acoustic guitar and it felt i, I can't remember what it was but it was like older and um it, it was I, I just started playing the riff um and as i was playing it you know ross told arthur to start recording and I I'm just playing it the way I wrote it and then he sits down next to me and he starts um you know squeezing the strings like uh like at the end of the you know near the tuning heads basically yeah, by the head's just kind of like yeah. yeah like bending them out of tune as I'm playing it yeah um and then like putting them back into tune again but like slightly different like just kind of dude just doing all kinds of crazy shit while I'm playing yeah, that, Ross is like I've never really dad. experienced yeah, dude, he's just he's the man. And between that and then um uh all the sounds like we recorded like this wind blowing through the ghost town that's in there and then uh the vocals were done later in LA in his studio. Um I did some of the old school like headphone vocals where I was uh just screaming into uh the left ear ear of a, a headset. I don't know if
1: yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't know what happened there, man. No, my
2: my headphones died. I actually, I dude, I totally can't. forgot. I have I have a call at five two right now. My manager's been texting me. I totally forgot about that.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we should <laughs> we should wind it up anyway because we've spoken for like an hour and twenty minutes.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's why I got here too. <laughs> yeah.
1: This has been Ace, man. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for that,
2: dude. Likewise, man. This is like, yeah, I, I needed this honestly uh, to like yeah. talk through a lot of this stuff. It's super sick.
1: Awesome. That's cool. I really enjoyed it. So um, there's still so much stuff I wanted to talk about. So maybe we'll save that for another time. Thank you,
2: dude. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. It's been a pleasure. All
1: right. right. Have a good one.
2: You too, Daniel. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. Peace. All right.
1: Thank you for listening to episode 35 of Swim Podcast with my guest Ghostmane. The album Anti Icon is out now and it is ace. You should definitely check it out. The video for the latest track um, Hydrochloride went online the other week. It's directed by his fiance Poppy and is also wicked. It shows how his ideas and visual aesthetic is really coming to the fore. Yeah, he's an all round incredible artist. You can find him on Instagram, which is at Ghostmane. I'm at Daniel P. Carter on the socials. The podcast is obviously at Swim Podcast. I know I don't charge anything for these. I uh, don't have a Patreon, so you could either consider leaving a wonderful review on something like iTunes, or you can now donate via the new um, ACAST supporter platform on the Someone Who Isn't Me page on acast.com. I should probably just do some merch, shouldn't I? Because it's like it's not like I'm not painting enough I could do prints of all the guests that I've had, which uh, I keep saying I'm going to do but at the same time, I am a lazy piece of shit. Yeah, so leave a nice review, share um, and all that good stuff. It would be much appreciated. And it would also be essentially a good deed, in which is something that's definitely going to give you good karma and the universe will smile upon you. No promises. Much love as always. Take care of yourself and those around you. Reach out to your friends for their sake and also for your own. It's super important right now. Um, the next episode is looking like it's going to be with um, Ina from Wardruna. But at the moment, who knows? Until then, I am out. Peace.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm.